I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Thursday. Trey Young puts up 48, leading the Hawks to upset Milwaukee. Now, what is the series price? This is going to surprise you. We're going to start the show with it. David DeCastro, the one lone stealer lineman that fans could count on, gets, gets caught and is retiring, it looks like. This is a problem in Pittsburgh. We'll get to it. And then tonight, Phoenix at the Clippers. Clippers trying to come back down 0-2. But Phoenix with Chris Paul back is favored. Phoenix is favored on the road. Game three. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip. Here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Thursday. Live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Ooh, Trey Young. Maybe time for a little reevaluation. Colin was talking about this game, obviously, today right here on FSR. And he said a couple things that I just so disagree with. And we'll get to that in the first segment. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, we had a surprise in the NBA playoffs last night. We've got game three of the Western Conference Finals coming up later on. But what is the Vegas lead here on this Thursday? Yeah, I think it only can be this Atlanta win. And what does it mean for the entire series? Yeah, and it was the Atlanta Hawks pulling off the upset in Game 1 at Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. 116-113 was the final. The story of that game, 48 points for Trey Young in his conference championship, uh, conference uh, finals uh, debut there for the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta, a surprising one nothing series lead, now three wins away from the NBA Finals. One way to be noncommittal, if you don't want to commit, if you want to be vague, you can speak directionally. So imagine it's 115 in Vegas one day, and then the next day it's significantly less than that. Now, if someone says, hey, what do you think about the weather? This is noncommittal. If I say cooler than yesterday, okay, we know it's cooler than yesterday, but what do you think about the weather? Now, maybe the weather isn't something people are going to have a strong opinion on, but let me ask this question. How good is Trey Young? Now, a hack, radio hacks, those that are not looking to commit, they're going to say, I tell you, he's a lot better than I thought he was. Man, he, he's, he's improved in my book. It's talking directionally. And you know what? Obviously. Trey Young is better than most anyone in the media thought he was. My question is, how good is he? Now, this isn't what I disagreed with with Colin, like, strongly, but 
Today he was ticking off and talking about how the West was so much better than the East. And he was talking about how Trey Young, yeah, he's probably the best point guard in the East. You know, Kyrie Irving's not really someone you can rely on. And this is Colin's take. And James Harden's not a point guard. And he was giving him a lot of credit in a way by saying, you know, best in the East. But then he went to the West and started ticking off and said, you know, he's obviously not. And then as he's going through talking about Dame and, and then it's like Steph Curry. And listen, let's talk about Steph for a second. You know, Steph had maybe his second, third best year he ever had. Some people thought he was MVP level. So obviously Steph's awesome. But here's the question. Steph is a one-man team in a way. I mean, obviously not, but the one elite player on Golden State. And the team did not make the playoffs. They made the play-in, didn't make the playoffs. Trey Young... Is he a one-man team? Like, if you look at Golden State, maybe we'll start there. Jonas, if we look at Golden State's roster last year, this, this season, other than Steph, and you look at Atlanta's roster other than Trey Young, how different is it to you? Is it clear that Atlanta's – and let me caveat this with one thing. The team that was on the court yesterday – Meaning there's been, you know, with uh, injuries, if, if Bondanovich is, you know, I would say not 100%, but not saying if everyone was healthy, but the players that played with Trey Young yesterday, how do they compare to the Golden State uh, supporting cast this year? Um, I would say it's pretty comparable, actually, um, because there's not a a clear cut number two guy behind um, Trey Young that you would look at, and and there's a lot of people that might even say that Wiggins is better than you know some of the some of the supporting cast that Atlanta has. Uh, I think it's Trey Young, and then a significant drop off after that. I mean, you have a borderline hall. I mean, obviously Clay didn't play last year. Yeah. But Draymond is is someone that you'll hear say people will say maybe he should have been, you know, maybe he should be Hall of Fame consideration one day. Like he's the yeah. kind of guy that should make the hall. And I don't think he's uh, health wise where he was, you know, fitness wise years ago. But he's not that far down. You know, he's uh, so Draymond is. Uh, you know, if you look at Draymond. I mean, it seems to me, well, let's ask McKenzie. McKenzie, pregame.com, NBA is one of his specialties. How would you compare the Golden State roster other than staff to Atlanta, other than Trey Young, the Atlanta team being the team that was on the court yesterday? I think the Hawks are a little bit better. I'm looking at my top 81 players list. Oh, the top 81. Yes. Okay. And they both they both have two other players. So they both have, for the Warriors, it's Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins. For the Hawks, it's John Collins and Clint Capella. I think at this point in their career, Clint Capella is a more defensive factor than even Draymond Green, who made the all-defensive okay, team. Okay, I think that's fair. And I think Wiggins and Collins, I think Collins is a little bit better, but it's it's close. Uh, it's close. Um, now, by the way, I, I can't not ask. Top 81? Yeah. <laughs> so not a top – though 82 is a famous number in the NBA because that's the typical length of the season – you you didn't go for 82, you went for 81. No, my favorite year is 1965 in the NBA, which was an 81-game schedule, so I'm sticking with that. 
<laughs> you know what's funny? That is the that is about the answer I would have expected. So that's McKenzie. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Okay. So let's say Atlanta's supporting cast on the court yesterday a smidge better. Let's concede that. He has them, Trey Young, leading in the conference finals, 1-0. Now, you might say, yeah, it's early. It is early. Well, let's see what the betting market says. We'll we'll, uh, very gingerly go back to McKenzie. The series price right now is? The uh, the Hawks are plus 180. The Bucks are the favorite, minus 210. Okay. So, what we're saying is there's better than a 35% chance that Atlanta's going to win based on the uh, the series, based on the odds right now. Yeah, almost exactly 35%. Okay. So, you got a you got a guy that's got better than a third chance to make the finals with the team when Steph, who supposedly we're supposed to say and my thought was too, yeah, obviously Steph's better. But then I started thinking, then what the heck is going on right now, Jonas? So, bigger question to you, how is Trey Young doing this? Uh, I I think that Trey Young and look, you made the point that there's a lot of people going, well, he's better than I thought he was. If we're just going to do a comp to Steph Curry, let's just call it what it is. Um, Steph Curry's never done this in the postseason um, because Steph Curry has always had quality players around him. That's not a knock on him. It's not his fault that he had Trey Thompson and or Kevin Durant or any of those guys. Trey Young is doing this with with nothing close to what Steph Curry had in the peak of the Golden State Warrior runs. Or even the even even pre KD. Yeah, and and I don't know look, I don't know historically where this stacks up, but Atlanta's six and two on the road this year in the playoffs. And and that like at some point it's no longer a fluke. And and Maybe this is just him emerging in front of our very eyes or we don't get to see the Hawks a lot. But uh, but emerging to what? That's what I'm saying is maybe, I mean, the only other player, let's go back this century. Let's just say, okay, from MJ's retirement onward, pretty much this century, is what players have been so good, like Russell Westbrook at OKC, post-KD, right, post-Harden, won the MVP, averaged a triple-double, and how good were those teams? Are we really saying the supporting cast there was significantly worse? I mean, which players in the last 20 years have been able to almost as a single great player? I mean, this is a player that didn't make the all-star team, by the way. But as a single great – Trey Young. As a single great player – dragging them to the conference finals like this, playing, let's be candid, a Philly team that was the number one seed. It's not like they were play, you know, they had some easy draw. Who's done this? Who, LeBron, who, who's on this list? LeBron's first finals appearance with the okay. Cavs. When no he doubt. Had, when no he had doubt. that monster was at the 49-point performance in the Eastern Conference Finals against the, the Pistons. And they went on to the finals, and I think they got swept by the Spurs, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. That's the only guy I can think of. Uh Curry didn't make the playoffs until he was 24. Now, again, that's different factors. Trey Young is 22 years old. He's young, this young guy. (laughs) Trey Young. I'm R.J. Bell. But here's what I'll say. Maybe Dame. Does Dame – I mean, listen, he brought them to the conference finals. It felt like a pre – you know, it felt like it was predetermined they were going to get beat pretty easily there, and they did. But how would you stack up Portland that year other than Dame? I mean, 
I mean, CJ McCollum's a pretty good player. Um, yeah. So, like, I, and he I was young. I mean, he's 29, McCollum now. So, uh, you know, when he was 27, you know, a little more spry. So I agree with you. Yeah, I, I would think that, you know, CJ McCollum, if we're, you know, at that point in time in his career is is better than the, the secondary player on this Hawks team, for sure. Yeah. And remember now, this, and you know this, obviously, the supporting cast, you know, for simplicity's sake, hey, who's number two? But in truth, it's how much better is the number two from an average player? How much better is the number three? And if you had four guys that were all be- slightly better than average, that could be better than a team that had a number two that was way better than average but not crazy better, you know, just way better. Yeah. And then the other ones were below. So it's not as simple as that. But, I mean, listen, here's the stat that really, really strikes me uh, as a problem for Atlanta. And we've been talking about how the supporting cast isn't great, but let's divvy it up to the starters and the bench. So Atlanta yesterday, there's a concept in NBA called plus-minus. And it's real simple. When you're on the court, how does the team do? And if you score more points than the opponent, you have a plus number. And if you score less points, you have a minus number. So Trey Young was plus 10 in the game. So when he was on the court yesterday, the Hawks scored 10 more points than their opponent. The four other starters for Atlanta all had a plus number, right? Plus 15, plus 12, plus 8, plus 8, and Trey Young had plus 10. So, yeah, average it out. The starters were plus 10.6. Okay. Amongst the non-starters, not a single player had a plus number. The non-starters for the Hawks, minus 5, minus 15, minus 12, minus 6. So, it averaged a minus 9.5 for those players. So, it's not only that Trey Young's the only really good player on the floor amongst the starters. At least yesterday, the backups were so bad, not one of them didn't give away points when he was on the court. When when a backup stepped on the court, Atlanta was going to be worse off when he left the court, that backup, every time uh, in net over the game. Now, you look at Milwaukee, and this is shocking. Of their non-starters, everyone had – well, none of them had a negative number. One, one had a zero. So every backup for Milwaukee, net-net, improved the score – and one, it was even because it was a zero. And amongst the starters, Giannis is the only one with the plus number. Every other starter, including Brooke Lopez, minus 14 points when he was on the floor. And Middleton, minus 13 points. So in Atlanta, you got Trey Young and a bunch of others. But man, you go past the starters, at least yesterday, you were in big trouble. You look at Giannis. He's got supposedly some good running mates. Again, Holiday put up some points, though he was minus three, even though he scored 33. Middleton, okay. But the idea that they were able to go deeper in that bench, Milwaukee, and every time not lose any ground, Jonas, that to me makes Young more impressive, but it makes me skeptical that that he could keep this up 
if, if they're going to get outplayed so much other than the starters. Thoughts? Yeah, and I also think that, you know, there could have been, you know, a little bit of a maybe a letdown from Milwaukee going into this game, just how, how exciting game seven was. Uh, and they Saturday to Wednesday? But, it, like, I'm just I'm thinking of reasons why Milwaukee would have fallen apart. But this is now three series in a row to where we've seen Atlanta when games get late or in the second half or late in the fourth quarter, they just look more comfortable at making plays and the right plays and hitting shots than anybody else does. They looked more comfortable than Philly. They looked more comfortable than the Knicks. And they looked more comfortable last night hitting shots and making plays than Milwaukee did. And all of this on the road. I mean, they were down by seven points with about five minutes left in the game, Atlanta. So, I mean, this was a uh, seesawy game, 13 lead changes. And the, none, none of the teams had a double-digit lead at none of the points of the game. There was not a double-digit lead. So a tight game, back and forth. But lo and behold, when the pressure's on, Trey Young delivers. Another thing, even though Atlanta's backups didn't play so well, they played a good bit. Trey Young had 41 minutes on the court. Only Atlanta Hawk with more than 37 minutes. But if you look at Milwaukee, a rested team, Hadn't played since Saturday. Giannis had 41 minutes. Middleton had almost 41. And Holiday had almost 42. So three guys in the 40s for Milwaukee. I don't know if that's, you know, again, they had a nice little break. But man, oh man. Now, one thing you can't do. We're straight out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio. What you can't do is say, uh... Did you see how uh, 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 Milwaukee shot the three? That, they're not going to shoot the three like that. Okay, you're right. 22% on three-pointers. Atlanta was 25%. So neither team shot well yeah. from three. So if we're going to try to excuse it away by it's a make-or-miss league and they were just missing, well, I mean, to me, it was pretty even in that regard. And it is pretty amazing because a, a macro concept in the NBA, as in big picture league-wide, has been, has the, middle, uh, the mid-range game returned? Like Chris Paul, a lot of mid-range. It feels like there's more mid-range than it was last year. Well, if you look at Atlanta, they were 62% on two-pointers. When they shot a two, Jonas, they hit over 60%. And again, mid-range, Trey Young in that floater. Closing thoughts. Yeah, and that was one of the things they pointed out on the broadcast on TNT, that it just felt like he could get in the paint whenever he wants. I think it was Kenny Smith who said, look at the bottom of his shoes. It's probably green at this point because of all the time he spent in the paint. Trey Young was not good from three last night. He was four of 13. So it's not like he was doing what Steph Curry does. He was penetrating, getting to where he wanted to get, and getting that shot in the and he had about the same shooting woes in Game 7 against Philly. So yes. imagine that. Game 7 against Philly, you're on the road, you shoot like crap, and your team still wins, and you're kind of a one-man team. How does that happen? Maybe he's not a one-man team. I just am looking at the box score. I can't figure it out. But then you go to Milwaukee, who supposedly unlocked their greatness off that win against Brooklyn, and you shoot poorly again? And you win on the road again? It's, it's, it's like there's something he's doing that isn't as obvious as it is with other people, how he's helping this team win like this. One last thought. 
I, I dug into the numbers because my thought was, man, they do better in the second half. Because remember, we remember Philadelphia, second half, they were struggling against Atlanta. I looked at the entire season, and in the first half, first half now, Atlanta's outscored their opponents by about a half a point in the second half by about two points. So over the course of the season, they outscored their opponents by about two and a half points, but only half of that, uh, one half of a point was in the first half and about two points in the second. So they were a second-half team. In the playoffs, it's more about the first quarter. Atlanta's been outscored by over a point in the first quarter, and then they've outscored the teams by about two and a half points from the second quarter on. So something we may look at if we're looking to fade Atlanta in a game is maybe look to play against them in the first quarter because this year and in the playoffs, the early parts of the game, not as good for Atlanta. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what was the thing Colin Cowherd said about the NBA that I so disagree with. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a closer look at the NBA playoffs moving forward. Okay, I got a question. Occasionally, Jonas, I like to ask you questions about the profession because, yeah. you know, I'm an aspiring newbie, you know, with some <laughs> talent, some say. You, a, a grizzled veteran. Not grizzled, but a veteran. Yeah. When the show, if the sh- at what point do you not take a bite from a sandwich before? So let's say 60 seconds to go before we're back. Do you take a bite from a sandwich? No. Okay. Two minutes. Like, at what point is your like you can't you won't take a bite of a sandwich after this point? I don't eat when I'm doing radio just because. At all. Yeah, I had a bad experience. Uh, so <laughs> I was doing uh, I was doing updates for a time at a Fox Sports Radio, and, mm-hmm. and I, we had a little bit of break before my next update. So I had some mango habanero boneless wings on my cheat day, <laughs> and and I was drooling my next time reading the scores. And I learned my lesson from that day moving forward: never eat while you're on the air. I mean. Like I said, <laughs> in Breaking Bad, only make the same mistake once. <laughs> now, for me, it's usually 10 seconds. But I was like, <laughs> you know, if it's 12 seconds, I'll take a quick bite. Eight seconds, I won't. Sometimes I think it's a little cut and a little tight. But still, a good day to join. We're going to tell you right now, in a minute or so, what I disagreed with with Colin the most. And really, Colin's wrong here. We'll say it nicely, but he's wrong, and we'll explain why. We are the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. You're listening to that show, yes. And why? Because of you. Because of you and the support. And we're going to work extra hard to keep delivering for you. And you can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search Straight Out of Vegas here in Vegas on the Strip. A nice and cool 89 degrees. The neon is flowing. So, RJ, there's been a lot of discussion following the Atlanta Hawks game one win in the Eastern Conference Finals over the Milwaukee Bucks, and in particular, the 48-point performance by Wung Trey Young. Yes, impressive. We spent the whole first segment strolling the virtues, and I think rightfully so. 
But I think that the East specifically, and Milwaukee more specifically, is getting a real bum deal when you look at how, not a bum deal, but a wrong assessment when it comes to Colin. Colin says, I look at the West, and that's the clearly the better conference, and clearly these are the A teams. And I look at the East, and oh my gosh, I mean, it's a nice story, but uh, these are clearly secondary teams. These are subordinate teams. These are teams on a lower level. Well, Atlanta is on a lower level. At least that's the perception right now, and I think it's true. And again, if you disagree, you can bet Game Two, and Game Two has the Milwaukee Bucks favored by seven and a half points. So home court's worth about two, maybe two and a half at most, because of the pandemic and still some of the limitations. So that means the Milwaukee's five points better than Atlanta. But you know who else Milwaukee's better than, according to the betting odds? Better than the Phoenix Suns. If you look at the chance of the teams making the finals, and then you look at the odds to win the finals, the only conclusion, and it is one of deduction, is that the Suns are not as good as the Bucks. Right now, the Suns are even money to win the title. The Bucks are plus 160. 100 wins you 160. Atlanta, even though they're up 1-0, is 6.5 to 1. And the Clippers are 14 to 1. All right, now, the Clippers in Atlanta, it's about, well, about all these teams. What's the chance of them advancing? So you look at the Suns, they've got almost a 90% chance to advance based on the betting odds. And you look at Milwaukee, even though they're down, they got a two-thirds or so chance to advance. You do all the math. It's kind of algebra, eighth-grade stuff. The Bucks, at minimum, are even, because there's some, some subjectivity to how to allot this stuff, but more likely the Bucks are slightly better. Don't get confused. Phoenix has the home court. So if they do play and they're even teams, Phoenix will be about minus 130, minus 140 in the series. So when you account for that and you look at these odds, I mean, think about it, Jonas. If, they, if we knew Milwaukee was there and we knew Phoenix was there and Phoenix has home court, Phoenix is going to be about minus 140. So here, Phoenix is, only, you know, if you look at the Bucks, they're plus 160 and they haven't even got there. So where do you think they're going to be if they get there? Right? right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be around even money. And now, again, things can change. Right, but uh, someone could get hurt, whatever. But as of right now, the betting market believes Milwaukee isn't a secondary team. Collins, at least objectively, the market disagrees with that, and Milwaukee is as good, if not a little bit better, than Phoenix. What's your gut feeling on that? Well, I mean, Phoenix has been really impressive, uh, and and some people would say, look, when they went down two one to the Lakers, they haven't lost since. So you give them all the credit in the world. But if we're being fair about what Phoenix has dealt with in the in the playoffs so far, um, the Lakers were banged up. Denver had no Jamal Murray and they look completely out of gas. And then the Clippers have no Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, I know Milwaukee played a Brooklyn team that was a little bit banged up themselves, but I, I just wonder how much of this is the love for the run the Suns are on and, and people just, you know, dismissing Milwaukee because they've seen them struggle so many times in the postseason in previous years. Well, when you say people, we mean not the betting market, though. And yeah. um, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, I think the betting market's had an irrational love for Milwaukee. I mean, entering this year, 
Milwaukee, Mackenzie, pull up the preseason NBA odds. Do you have them? Tell me when you got them. Because to me, this was a big surprise. Because I was trying to assess, and for tomorrow, I'm doing something really interesting, Jonas, is we're going to look at all the playoffs this century, so 2000 on, and we're going to say we're going to rank the teams 1 through 16 based on their betting odds entering the playoffs. Right? So Vegas ranks them 1 to 16. What has been the average quality of team in the Final Four, because our prediction is this might be the most surprising Final Four we've had this century if you look at where Phoenix was, where the Clippers were, where Milwaukee was, and obviously Atlanta. But Milwaukee, if you look at the preseason, is going to surprise you. Give me, uh, read the teams to Milwaukee. So you have the Lakers at plus 350, and then next up is Milwaukee at 4-1 to preseason odds. So entering this year, Milwaukee was a smidge behind the Lakers, who had just won the title with LeBron, the best player of the century for sure, it goes to show you the betting market never got off of Milwaukee. Yeah, and, and we that's t- a, it's irrational to me. But I'm sorry, go ahead, Joe. Well, no, I was going to say I remember us talking about it last year, but or before the pandemic, before everything got shut down, and I remember we had the conversation. There might have even been a, a bet on the show to where you know somebody could have Milwaukee, uh, Boston, and I forget the other team, and and Milwaukee was always amongst the favorites. And then last year it was you know if it's not the Lakers or the Clippers, it's Milwaukee that's going to be the team everybody looks at. And then you know they got to the bubble, and it was it was nowhere close to that and you saw what Miami did and you and you saw Milwaukee fall apart so it I don't know if people just took the the you know the the handicap they had on Milwaukee or the expectations they had on them previous to the bubble and just rolled them over into this next year but yeah it it, it felt like that for a couple of years now here's what I would say the math guys get befuddled flummoxed when their calculations don't represent reality meaning there's obviously something different about Milwaukee in the playoffs and all of the love of Milwaukee is about the dominating performance they've had in the regular season especially the prior two years right this year not as much and the 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 math guys the algo guys the wonks as they say they're just looking saying well the number keeps telling me this it's like okay usually those numbers are right but at some point the eye, t- or not even the eye test. Reality is telling you the numbers are misleading when it comes to Milwaukee in the playoffs. And you might say, RJ, it's small sample size, small sample. Okay. All I know is this when Simmons, for example, didn't take that shot, Simmons is shooting 33%, Ben Simmons in the playoffs on field th- uh, free throws. Does anyone here think there's not a mental element to that? Or when uh, when Embiid misses two late in the game, when you know he's like, uh, what is he? Almost a ninety percent free? I mean, he's way yeah, up there, right? Yeah, eighty-six percent. We calculated on air one in five hundred. Yeah, that the, would he, the odds are one in five hundred that Embiid, based on the math, is going to miss two, and he misses two late in the game. But it's a coincidence. We're all humans here, man. And it's and I tell you this. Think of the highest stake time you've ever been, right before getting married, you know, whatever. I can remember once, I don't think I've ever told this story, is when Cousin Sal ended up, you know, doing Sports Center for like three or four years. He and I were the two finalists to get that gig, and they flew me into LA. I mean, this is years ago now, uh, you know, like five, six years ago. And I did an entire show from the Sports Center set. It was just like a fake show just to see how it would go. 
And I got to be honest, sitting on that Sports Center set, I was not like I was sitting at home. All right, like like the nor- the nerves, the sense of like the stakes are high. Now, did I perform okay? Well, not good enough to get the job, but yeah, I, I, I thought, but I can tell you this, I was affected. Now, you're telling me that, now there's some people got alligator blood, right? And that's the rarest of the rare, but Jonas, we've talked about this before. Every time you go to another level, doing a, a, a different gig that's higher, there's a time where you're nervous. Well, Milwaukee is nervous in the playoffs, and to me... I think every time they lose a game and every time they get eliminated, they get more and more nervous. Closing thoughts. Yeah, and and we've seen that with uh, the more the conversation begins to get louder about Giannis at the foul line, the more it seems like it becomes an issue. And and now you know you got opposing fans counting him down. You've got it. Just there, there's there's a lot, and you can point to a couple of instances in the Brooklyn series where you know they turned the ball over late in that one game in which Kevin Durant oh. had he had that monster game, and that was clearly there was something going on with Giannis. He either wanted to get the ball out of his hand or whatever it was, but there just wasn't a clean exchange from Middleton, and that seemed like there were some nerves that played a factor as well, too. Final thought on this. I would make the case in Game 7, the fact that there was a shot to take for Durant to win it was more choking than it was Milwaukee playing well late. Milwaukee had the lead, and they I mean, they gave it back in a way. There was many games there that, that if hypothetically, if, you've, if you played that game 10,000 times from a certain point in the fourth, There'd be many times that Brooklyn doesn't even have a chance to tie it. And the fact that they did, I think that says more about the inefficiency of Milwaukee late than it does about Milwaukee slaying any demons. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. Not a good day in Steelers country. Ooh, when we come back, I've got a full best bet. Jonas hasn't mentioned my winner yesterday on the under on Giannis. I waited <laughs> as long as I could. We've been hot. This is a full best bet on tonight's Clippers game. That's coming up next. But first, Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone has more ways for you to start your job your way. That means getting what you need fast. Some jobs can't wait. That's why AutoZone offers free same-day store pickup. Free next-day delivery is available on over 100,000 parts. Visit AutoZone.com today to start your job fast. Get in the zone. AutoZone. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, and it's money-making time next here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. All 
I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And RJ, we have got game three of the Western Conference Finals coming up later on tonight between the Suns and the Clippers. Tip off a little over two hours away. And Phoenix already up one, two games to none, have a one and a half point or the one and a half point betting favorite right now on pregame.com rather. Phoenix, the road favor. Now, Mackenzie, what do we have for the first half on this? Clippers are one and a half point favorites at the Westgate right now. Now, think about this. Why, why are we making a distinction first half, second half? Because the math tells us historically when a team is down 0-2, history tells us that they play particularly well in game three. It's a must win, perceived to be. But as time went on and people dug deeper, they realized, you know, that edge, that edge really was weighted to the beginning of the game. And the reason being, the team itself is excited to get ready and make a statement. They're finally in front of their home fans because they had to play two games without their home fans. And now they're down 0-2. And the home fans want to show their support. Okay. So... What smart bettors ended up doing was they wouldn't bet the Clippers for the game. They were betting the Clippers in the first half in this scenario. Well, you know what? The betting market catches up. That's what it does. It catches up. And now, think about this. This is the most extreme version of this I've seen. Is You've got the Clippers favored by one and a half points in the first half, and the Suns favored by one and a half for the game. So literally, you're saying that there's a th- that, that that the score that we're going to expect in the first half is Clippers to win, and the score we're going to expect for the game is Phoenix to win. Jonas, when have you ever seen something like that? I mean, that's that is unique. Yeah, it's a little strange. I I mean, if that's the case, wouldn't you before the game started look to bet? Phoenix second half just based on how the the number is moved right before the game. Uh, so say it one more time. Well, like, wouldn't you just like, if you see that the line they're saying that the Clippers are going to win the first half, but Phoenix is expected to win the game. Wouldn't you look to before the game if there's a, a oh, second yeah. half? So typically they don't have second half bets before the game because they have halftime bets when the game happens. But if they did, it would have to add up. So imagine what it's saying is Phoenix would be minus three in the second half. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Minus one and a half, minus three is what they're saying. Clippers minus one and a half first half. And Phoenix minus three second half. That's the only way you get to one and a half. I'm just doing a little, you know, a little math right now. <laughs> now, here's where my best bet is, and we're going to take advantage of this. I believe we have a confluence of events that makes the home advantage for the Clippers here less, less, less than you might think. Number one, what's new about the Suns? Oh, look, daddy's home. Chris Paul is back. And could you imagine that he's finally back? I don't care how, if he's a little bit, you know, less than 100%. That's not even the handicap. It's how excited is Chris Paul to be back, potentially a couple, if they win this game, almost a lock to make his first finals. Do you think he's going to let that team be a little lackadaisical? Because the whole zigzag theory has two sides to it. One team's more motivated, one team is lackadaisical. Typically a team down 2-0 is motivated, typically a team that's up is lackadaisical. 
I don't think the Suns are going to be lackadaisical because I don't think Chris Paul will allow them to be. This is what's fresh and new and novel about it. That's something championship teams like to do is make one change, even you know a major change, though, because even if it feels like, oh, maybe that's a kind of a lateral move, there's no, but at least there's another player in there that's never won a championship. There's a sense of excitement. It's a sense of, let's get one for this guy. Well, Chris Paul's back. They, he wasn't here for the first two games. So the idea that Phoenix is going to be lackadaisical, forget about it. They're not going to be. And you know what? The Clippers have been down 2-0, 2-0, or 0-2, however you want to say it, two straight series. So this is old hat for them. So to whatever degree they want to win the game, which they do, I don't think there's going to be that fever pitch because it's the third time around. Jonas, if you ever get married for a third time, you think it's going to be quite the same? No, the I won't same? be as nervous, no. Yeah, exactly. Well, you might be more nervous. If you're over 3, I don't know why that would make you optimistic. But again, you're 1-0 you're right now. So, you know, that's a hypothetical. But So here's the bet. Here's the bet. Here's the bet. I'm going with the Suns plus 1.5 in the first half. If I'm saying I don't trust this system, I don't trust this scenario, then I want to go right into the teeth of it and get my point. I have the team favored here, getting points in the first half, and the only reason that would make any sense is if the Clippers are so motivated and the Suns aren't, but the Suns will be. Best bet, Suns plus 1.5 in the first half. If you missed any of today's show, including a deep dive into the performance of Trey Young and what it actually means in the eyes of Vegas to that series moving forward, you can check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. Plus, if you missed any of the reasoning behind the best bet just laid out before your very ears, you can go back and check that out at FoxSportsRadio.com. Just search straight out of Vegas, and we are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio, and as always, on the iHeartRadio app. Right out of Vegas!